Good day, Holy Shooters. It's Jason here, welcoming you to a special edition of Holy Shoot, a wrestling podcast. This is the first in a planned series of interviews with women of wrestling that I'm conducting over the coming months. Over this series of special shows, you will hear from a mix of women wrestlers, women fans, and women that work in the industry as we look to shift that commonly held misconception that women don't like wrestling. Pretty much every podcast that you listen to about wrestling has male hosts talking to male wrestlers with calls from male fans. Let's see if we can shift that balance a little bit over this series of podcasts, which are tied to a wider series of articles that will also be published in the near future. Together this series will be known as Hit Like a Girl, and you'll be hearing more about this soon. In this first episode, we talk to Heather Bandenberg, a wrestler and referee who appears on shows for Eve, Lucha Britannia, and Burning Hearts across London and the UK. With 300 matches under her belt, a co-op wrestling promotion, and an upcoming book on feminism and wrestling, she is the perfect guest for the first episode as we start this series. Apologies up front for the less than crystal clear studio audio quality that you are used to from us during this interview. We met before Heather had to get to training and I chose a favourite bar of mine close by, but you may hear the occasional train rumble as it is under an archway, and the background buzz of people enjoying a post-work beverage. That said, this should not interfere with your enjoyment of the interview and you may actually prefer this more relaxed style. Make sure that you look out for Heather's book when it is released in July, entitled Unladylike, A Girl's Guide to Wrestling. Now, let's go to the interview. So hi guys, this is Jason back with the interview we were talking about. I'm sat with Heather Vandenberg to talk about her book and to hear more about her views on women in wrestling. Heather, I'll let you introduce yourself and confirm your wrestling alter egos. Okay. Oh, that's breaking kayfabe. Confirm my own <laughs> alter egos. Um, I am, yeah, Heather Vandenberg, alias Heather Honeybudger. I wrestle for Leech Britannia. Um, as a masked character, maybe potentially called Lavana Venenosa, but I can't confirm that either way. And is that the poison dart frog or the queen of the sewer? Uh, both. I started off as the poison dart frog and then I upgraded to queen of the sewer. Um, when I wrestled at your call, I decided I needed to be queen of the And yeah, I am a angry woman. <laughs> wrestling. And that's what I do apparently now. So yeah. And, very happy to be here. And the reason we're chatting really is because of the book you've got coming out. Um, how far away is that now? I know that I've seen pre-orders or it's listing on some book yeah. sites. Um, it is listing on book sites, which is terrifying. So I our launch our publish date is July the 11th. We are in the final stages of um, editing now, um, which is terrifying and exciting. And um, I've also just started working with a really amazing illustrator called Julia Shield. Um, and they're doing basically the most incredible pictures of wrestling I have ever seen. Like they, I've just given them this this huge like I get basically have an index of 40 wrestling moves at the end of my book, and I've asked the person to just draw diagrams of them. This this happened this week, so I'm very excited. Cool. Yeah, and they came back, and it looks like something from Love and Rockets. It's amazing. <laughs> So that's where we're at with the book. But yeah, it should be out in the summer. Check your phone. What is the book called? All oh, right, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's called Unladylike, A Girl's Guide to Wrestling. And this came out, because I'm, I'm one of the guys who helped fund it as well. So one of the guys that got involved. So you, you, you like crowdfunded this book? Yes. So it started about three years ago. Because I, I am a wrestler, generally speaking. But unfortunately, I got sick. And I 
couldn't wrestle for quite a while and I was going a bit mad and I've always wanted to write a book. And I started off with all these ideas about what I could write about and it turned out I was going to write a book about wrestling. And I started, it started off as like the Whippet version of wrestling. So it was like a teenage girl in a hometown, runs away from home. And then I met other, I actually met Millie McKenzie and Candy Floss, who are 16-year-olds who <laughs> wrestle. And I was like, I can't write this book. So I just ended up writing about, you know, essentially I started writing essays of things like The Guardian and The Huffington Post about women within wrestling and issues within wrestling that I thought people who weren't in the wrestling community would be interested in. And I felt quite frustrated there wasn't very many women and particularly women wrestlers writing about wrestling. I felt in terms of it was just completely dominated by male voices. And that's really hard when you're hearing about how we're having this revolution of women's wrestling and things like Glow are coming out and on the outside we're looking really gender equal but there's kind of this um, echo chamber of opinion where there are many female voices. Anyway, so that was how I started getting into writing and then I basically pitched this idea for a book to a friend and he helped me come up with basically the idea of it being like an introduction through autobiography. And I took it to places like Penguin and they all came back and they were like, oh, this is amazing. It's going to be great, but we can't sell it because it's wrestling. Really? They yeah. didn't have any wrestling books are out there now. Like... There isn't, when you think about it, there aren't that many and they're very much based. They're either written by very famous wrestlers or they're based, kind of, they're directed very much towards wrestling fans. There's no book that I know of. It's written by a woman for a non-wrestling audience, which kind of, I suppose, breaks kayfabe, which rather than talks about things about the past and nostalgia and wrestling from our childhood, that actually talks about the physical experience of becoming a wrestler. The only women's wrestling books I can think of Lita's and I think China's, WWE ones back yeah. in the day, which aren't good examples of... I quite like China's in a way, sort of, and Nita's also, yeah, they're not, they're, they're not great, even the ghost-written ones or the biographies about people like um, Mildred Burke, or there's another one which is um, Sister Hidden Square Circle, but they're written by guys, and doesn't mean to say their opinions aren't valid and they're not well-researched, but it's important to have the voice of the person you're writing about sometimes, and I yeah. think that that's what I really wanted to do with this book. So, yeah. so I'm looking forward to reading it when it comes out. So I've been telling some of the guys in our sort of meet-up group about it as well. I just want to get some interest. So we're, I've got some questions from them for later on. Absolutely. One of the questions that opener was, uh, if you were a soup, what flavour would you be? Gazpacho, no question. As I said, I will ask that. It's the most strange <laughs> question I can think. That's not strange to me. That's just like opening, conversational opener. Um, definitely gazpacho. And that was by our, our wrestling nerd. This is the guy that he watches every WrestleMania every year. So that's his tradition at WrestleMania. He watches every single one in the lead up to WrestleMania. He's got every single like probably wrestling magazine from WWE from the 80s. He's got everything. Like, and that's the question you want me to ask? I think he's a smart person. I think he knows he knows really what, how to see if I'm, how I'm ticking. I think that's what it is. <laughs> it was a, it was a, I thought, okay, I'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess, like, I mean, getting into the start of this, so let's just obviously tie this into the book, but how did you get into wrestling? So, just to be clear, I did not know about wrestling. And I just explained, I, I did say this before we started interviewing, but... I didn't know, when I started my first wrestling training, I did not know who The Undertaker was. Like, that is how little I knew. Um, I used to do stand-up comedy, 
And I did a gig at the gallery one, the Resistance Gallery, uh, where Edith, Luigi Britannia, and um, Gary Vanderhorn, the guy who owns it, was like, oh, you clearly don't mind making a fool of yourself. Do you want to come to a free training session? We need more women to become wrestlers. And I was like, okay, sure. And um, I can't really, I don't, I can't tell you more than that. Me and my best friend went. We How long, when was this? How long ago? Seven years ago. Seven years ago. Okay, so that's a start. It's that, and I, it was me and my best friend Becca who we both hated exercise. We didn't even own jogging buttons. We both had our pajamas, <laughs> and we turned up. And for everyone, and we were sort of terrified because it wasn't like the school now, which London School of Leech Libre is very open to anyone who wants to come. It was like people who had to know about wrestling pay. But everyone was so nice at train. Yeah. <laughs> um, everyone was so friendly and everyone was so encouraging. And if you're a woman, you generally spend your entire life being told not to take up too much space and not to make too much noise. And if you're in sports, at school you're kind of told you should do netball and maybe football if you're lucky and gymnastics. But then you kind of, most women just leave not with like a sense of kind of doing it for themselves in any way. And um, It's almost like an exercise in secret. Yeah, and I I mean, that's it. The, The whole point of wrestling is yes, you have to be ridiculously fit, but it's so freaking fun. And I had never, like, play-fighted before in my life. Play-fighted, that's not the correct verb. Play-fought in my life. And I suddenly had this thing where it's like, yes, you can fall over and be clumsy and be loud and be a character and be strong and be... And it's good to be able to do these things. And I was just addicted. So that was it. I, You know, seven years I've been going every single week. So that was it. So one of my questions was going to be, like, what, did you watch wrestling as a kid and what's your first wrestling memory? But the answer to that is no. No, I do have a memory of wrestling. My friend Karis Evans, right, she had the computer game of a WWF computer game. What, what console was it? N64. Was it No Mercy, maybe? Don't, I would The classic. It was probably the classic No Mercy, but I remember... I got to, my, I wasn't allowed, because I, it was like her and my brother, I wasn't allowed to play the actual game, because I was so bad at it, I was about to, allowed to design costumes. <laughs> However, Karis got, she's a proper tomboy, and she stole a boy's football in the playground, and he gave her a stone called Stunner and broke her collarbone, Ooh. and then wrestling was bummed. That is my, that's my only childhood memory of wrestling. Wow. So I went from that to, oh yeah, sure, I'll try it. And that's where I am today. Oh, that's pretty out there. So, based on what you said, you weren't, you didn't have wrestling as a kid. No. You were very limited. You got into wrestling almost by accident. Yes, completely by accident. So how did this be- progress from doing your first session to wrestling? How did that all come along? Uh, that was that would be uh, three years of working my ass off. Um, it did not come naturally to me. Because not only... Um, I'm dyspraxic. So... Falling over, I'm great at. Picking people up, great at. Telling left from right, not a thing, really. Um, So I kind of had to start from scratch physically. But I had to learn everything about wrestling. Like, you know, if people say, oh, do a stunner, I didn't know what a stunner was. I can tell the story now, it's funnier, because I know what a stunner is. You know. Um, So I started at London School of Lucha Libre. And... It just was bare bones, learning to bump, learning to roll, 
learning to do character. I was say, like, most people, a lot of people have watched like, the first season of Glow and they all go through that in terms of, is it, was it similar to that or is it very different there in the real world? There are some parts that is really funny and one thing I really like about Glow is they didn't all suddenly become great, like they all suck and I think that that's completely correct about wrestling. You, one thing I will always say about learning to wrestle is some people will turn up, maybe they've got a background in dance or martial arts and they will pick it up like that, they'll be great in six months. But some of those kind of people might struggle at being a character, or they might struggle at engaging with the crowd. I had the opposite problem, you know. From day one, someone could be like, oh, rest, do a promo as a box of chicken, and how you want to take down vegans. I could do that without thinking about it. But, you know, if someone asked me to do a press-up, I'd struggle. So, I think what, the main thing that I learned in three years between going from starting to wrestle to being in the ring was just learning about the humbleness of becoming a wrestler like helping to put up the ring turning up to those shows so you went through the proper trainee of putting the ring together there's absolutely no way to, I don't think you can do it any other way I don't think you can learn about being a wrestler until you've done it the long and hard way I, I genuinely don't I don't think any wrestler would disagree with me so and that's really old school way of, yeah you, you, you start you put the ring together so that was like three years of training then did you have your first match Yes, my first match was, this is good, was against my now husband. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> and, um, was that like just a stellar moment in that match? Or um, something? No, that sounds, I could go, I could, I, I could go into this, but I'm not going to. Basically, I, I started seeing a wrestler who is my now husband. And I was so nervous about having my first match. And I'd been ready for ages, but I was nervous. Because I wanted to be like a feminist character. But if I wrestled women, generally speaking, back in 2000, where are we now? About 2012, if you were a feminist character, you were going to get booed. And I just didn't want that. So I realized that if I wrestled a really horrible man, I would be a face. So Fraser um, came in and was like, who is this woman? She wants to get on the barbecue and just did horrible things. It starts the audience. And my dad was there. And this is, Fraser had never met my dad. This is the first time my dad was meeting my new boyfriend. And he like took his top off and threw it at my dad and was like, watch that. And yeah, then we had a match. So that was my first experience. Um, but it was great. Like actually looking back, I think I did okay. It's quite cool that your first match was an intergender match because there's a lot of talk about that right now. Yeah, so the intergender question, so another thing I should point out is that Lucha, intergender is just, it's never not been a thing, like we've never had separate... Yeah, I've been to some Lucha shows and I've seen the madness of like, it's all intergender matches, cabaret, monkey man coming out, it's quite... Yeah, that monkey's my husband. Oh, (laughs) monkey man is your husband. Monkey man is my husband. I I married that. I remember watching him cut a great promo as a monkey. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I think he sometimes prefer him as a monkey. (laughs) No, but it is, it's mad. And I think that if, I don't think I could have become a wrestler and stuck with it if I wasn't in that bizarre environment. Yeah. Um, So I just thought it was normal that men and women wrestled each other. And the fact that now it's only, you know, and I think places like Riptide and stuff, the same kind of thing. It's like, you don't need to say it's mixed gender, it's just wrestling. So, as I progress, I ended up wrestling more women. But I think that most wrestlers will agree with me that even when you're training, you train into gender. That's just how you train. It's only really when you get to the big leagues that you kind of get to the top. Okay, good to understand. So I guess... 
based on the fact you've been you trained for three years, you had your first match. How many matches have you had in total? Any idea, like how many how many that adds up to? Let me think. So, to be very clear, in the seven years that I've been wrestling, I had cancer, so I was out for two and a half years. Sorry to hear that. It's okay, I'm fine now. Yeah. I have the nicest type of cancer, like the type where they cut it out and it's fine. Um, but I've had lots of ongoing injuries, so I guess I would say I'm up to about 300 matches. That's still a lot of matches. It's 300 more than I've had. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Like, those have been, but I mean, I would count a match as mediums. Not all of those have been like, yeah. but most of those have been Lucha or they've been at York Hall. Like, one of the, I wrestled at York Hall and like, I would just say. So, were you, you at Wrestle Queendom? No. No? I was supposed to rap at Wrestle Queendom, um, but I was on my honeymoon, oh, which I totally, just totally fine. <laughs> um, but basically, um, I wrestled at Lucha Libre Worlds. Um, when the, all of the, the the luchadors came over, like Lady Apache and Leo de Santo, and that was that was amazing for me because they they, they don't take their mastery. So you're just like, oh hi, Leo de Santo, and he's like, hello. He's not talking to you, and you're like, I do not know what your face looks like. This is your life. And it's such a cool venue, York Hall, to wrestle in. I've seen quite a few shows there. It seems like such a great one to the crowd you can get there as well, like the setup. It's it's there. Yeah, it's up there. Like top moments of my entire life I would cherish it forever I obviously want to wrestle there again immediately but it's it, sometimes you have to kind of go I'm just going to hold on to this moment even it doesn't matter how big the venue is sometimes you just get those experiences and I think that's why people continue to wrestle because it's, it's hard and it's stupid and it hurts but we have reasons for doing it I'm going to ask this question later but so what's the where's the weirdest or what's the strangest event you've wrestled at um it's a cross up between um no, the weird. <laughs> God, I can't believe I'm going to tell some of this. The weirdest wrestling event that I wrestled at was we got shipped. So there was about 15 of us at Lucha got shipped out to a private party in Berlin for 24 hours, and we arrived. And there was this enormous ring. And in Germany, the rings are different. Like they, they have like a slippy surface. Okay. So we arrived. We got shipped out. We arrived in Berlin at two in the afternoon. Um, we got like an hour or two with the ring and it was this huge private party where it was like installations in every room and then we went and had dinner and then we got in our gimmicks and then they were like okay right um, you need to go into this room until 1am and it was nothing to drink except Red Bull and gin they didn't give us water only Red Bull and gin and eventually everyone cracked and had Red Bull or gin it just like didn't matter who we were so at 1am they let us out and we were all just like going crazy. These people had no idea what was about to come out. So all of these Mexican wrestlers came out. We did this match in front of these crazy drunk Germans. And I had this amazing moment of Car Noir jumping out of the he was there. <laughs> jumping out of the ring to leave and this enormous German woman picking him up like a baby and just putting him back in the ring and going, more. <laughs> and and yeah, so we literally we all got paid quite well for it, but we wrestled three matches and then we were just at this like Andy Warhol party in Berlin. And we had, then we all got a flight home at six in the morning. So that was probably the weirdest one. That's definitely out there when I hear about what wrestlers say like when they've done it. Like sometimes I go wrestling in front of two people in a like farmhouse or something. But that's pretty I mean, there's been like those 
strength as well. Like the, the corporate gigs are always kind of the weird ones because they're people who have no idea what they're watching. They don't know to boo or cheer. They're just like, what is this? So why I try and explain to new people wrestling is violent panto and once they understand that it's a lot easier. I, I often use a similar description. It's, it's just it's a soap opera with really good athletic performances. It's like it's much yeah. better than it's not what you think. It's a lot better. And I think that, but I the thing is though I like the fact that wrestling is kind of it plays with ideas of reality and it is the suspension of disbelief. I get quite. I find the, inter- the internet is really interesting at the moment. Ever since, basically, Joey Ryan, in, in my mind, has made a wrestling debate really interesting, which is where wrestling is kind of keep trying to retain kayfabe, like, this is a real thing, and we're real hard men, and then there's people like us who are just like, I am a robot, and I'm going to fight a monkey and stop time, but it's still wrestling. But the skill required is the same. What I really like at the moment about wrestling is, I, I love the classic, keep it kayfabe, old school. But I really love breaking the fourth wall and doing the it's crazy the stuff that and happens. And if you're intelligent enough, you can accept it at all those levels on the same show. And I think that that's what's important. I think that many of the reasons that wrestling has stagnated in the past is just because it has become so samey. And it's like, you're not going to cheer or boo people if their gimmicks are similar, they don't look crazy or wacky, or you're not going to go into a show if you're just going to see the same moves. So yeah, breaking down the fourth wall, I think that wrestling has evolved in a way to start doing that. Like, I love it, I absolutely love it. Yeah. So, so talking about loving it, so that's going to ask like, so basically, why do you do this? Why are you passionate about it? I don't know. <laughs> It's hard to explain, but like, is there something you do? But my whole book is trying to answer this question. It's trying to explain to people why, why. And what's that book called? Unladylike, a girl's guide. We've got to get that in there a few okay. times. That is one of the reasons why I write Unladylike is because I myself have been trying to figure out why I love wrestling. I gave up. I I stopped wrestling twice because of health or because of life commitment. And I say it loads of times in my book. Wrestlers can't retire. We find it impossible. Until you literally, you know, look at... Um, Ric Flair, Terry Funk, they're the classics, aren't they? Yeah. Terry Funk retired 300 times, I think. Exactly. And you would think it's just like these big guys that have got something to, you know, they've got the money and, and the grandeur and it's been their life. Absolutely not. You know, I trained under Greg Burridge. Greg Burridge has retired a million times as well. And he will still get, if he feels, but then eventually, like once or twice a year, he'll just he'll just need to get back in the ring. And I can't really explain it other than it just gives you the chance to completely forget who you are for a bit. Which makes this all sound a bit crazy, but it's completely freeing. And I think for a woman as well, to, be, to suddenly be able to suspend people's disbelief, control them in the way you want to, and be this strong superhero, why would you not want to keep doing that for as long as possible? So you generally wrestle like in London, you've had your trips to Berlin and other places we've talked about. Can you, have you done anything in the US? I have not wrestled in America. In fact, I had a booking on my honeymoon to wrestle in America, but it got cancelled. So I, luckily I didn't have to pack my entire gimmick, which would do. Um, I would love to wrestle in America. I'd love to wrestle in Mexico or Japan. But, you know, you to get overseas and stuff, I've had it lucky. You have to work. You have to accept that you have to go over and pay your own way and, and that kind of thing. And I think that level of commitment 
you know, it's, it's incredibly admirable. Um, I'd love, I'm hoping this book will at least take me to America for some reason. I don't know, to talk about it or something, but we'll see. I mean, in your head, do you want to wrestle on a big show like, say, WrestleMania? Is that something you can imagine, or is that just like, <laughs> no, that's not where you want to go? No. I think another reason why I wrote Unladylike is the celebration of unfamous wrestlers. We are a incredibly important breed, and I would say having trained as a wrestler for seven years, one in a hundred trainees will get as far as having their first match. Really? It's like that high turnover. So, you know, you can think of all these amazing indie stars or people who are completely underrated and undiscovered. And they still do it because they love it. Even if we accept maybe we're never going to get to WrestleMania, we do it for other reasons. And I think I never start, because I guess because I didn't watch wrestling as a child, I never had like this pinnacle of success was being, was pointing at the side. I never had that. I... The pinnacle of success for me was being on Lucha, and then I did that, and now I'm, I don't really know what the next pinnacle is to me. But I think that, you know, there, there has to be other reasons, and I hate the idea that you kind of have failed as a wrestler unless you get on TV or make it to the network or whatever, because it's just not true. There's so many, so many great wrestlers that have been and gone in the ring that have not had half the screen time or recognition, but people will, will always go down in people's memories as being amazing wrestlers. And I think another thing in Unladylike was, while I was researching women wrestlers, you know, I'm looking at people like um, Lola Gonzalez and Shigu and um, Shigu Sinagoyo and Kondai Kate. You know, these women were never on the WWE. Well, Shigusa was eventually, yeah. like once. And the fact is that the impact that they had and their skill, it translates even though they never got on that big screen. And their stories need to be told. In fact, I think more so just to give you a better idea of what actually drives people to be wrestlers. It's easy to say you're doing it for money and fame. What if you are never going to get those things? Why else would you do it? And that's what the book's about. So, I'd imagine, switching gears a little bit, imagine in the book, you probably talk about the whole, what people react to you being a wrestler in terms of, I think, I think, you, I think you touched on it on the preview you did in terms of like on your way to matches, explaining what you're up to at work. I guess start with, how do men react when they, sort of, when you say, and, and women as well, how do they react? Like people you work with or just generally people you know when they find out you're wrestling? Um... So, I don't know whether it's just because I I love it so much, but I can definitely say I've got both my last job interviews, I've got the job because I'm a wrestler. Well, people, you, people will ask you, like, oh, what do you do outside of work? Oh, I'm a wrestler. What? There you go. I had my last job, my current job, I had the interview a week after Glow came out. So, oh, so that's... yeah. <laughs> and other stuff as well. The way people react when I tell them I'm a wrestler is... Just, you know, it doesn't matter if they're men or they're women. They'll go, really? You? And I'll go, yeah. And they'll go, you don't look like a wrestler. That's the next bit, which is always lovely to hear. Because, you know, I don't know. Because I have a vagina or because I'm a size 12, I don't know why I don't look like a wrestler, but apparently I don't look like one. Um, and then they'll go, oh, is it real? So those are the three questions without fail that people will ask. What's your answer to, is it real? That's the classic one. It depends how much I like the person. 
if they're saying, in a, oh, it's all fake, isn't it? I'll just go, yeah. Or I walk, oh, I'll say, well, no, you can't really have someone throwing it. I'm like, well, imagine if you're standing in a ring in front of 200 people in your pants, and then another giant person jumps off a six foot turnbuckle, and you have to get kicked in the face by them without getting hurt. And they go, yeah, and I go, so yeah, it is real because it hurts. And then I'll leave it. But the fact is that people are interested about the, the nuances of the reality of it. I will talk to them as long as possible, really. But usually I'll just be like, no, it hurts, it's real. And do you find reactions have changed over the years? Because you were there, like I say, a few years back, and now it's like all about the women's evolution, there's lots going on. Have attitudes changed? It depends. No, not outside of wrestling. What about within wrestling, like, in terms of like, be it men or promoters or fans, is there like a change there? I think, yes. I think there's, I think that promotions now, I'm obviously won't name names, there are promotions now that are having women's champions, which have definitely, when I started, said we do not put women because they are, because they're women. And when I started, it was completely normal to have that. And it was completely normal to, as soon as you announce to another wrestler, oh, I'm a woman wrestler, they'll go, oh, right. As if to say, you're not going to be good immediately. But to be honest, the main thing I find about, about speaking to particularly wrestling fans, and this isn't me trying to target people with the same brush, it's just my experience since I've been talking about wrestling and writing about it and having my opinions about it, it's quite often... In, Male fans will explain women's wrestling to me, which I find quite hard um, because there's a conversation where you discuss things, and for the most part, it's those. But I have got memories of people talking over me, um, or when someone asks me about my book, answering for me, or just assuming that I'm not as knowledgeable about wrestling because I'm a woman. And I think your other fit. I think other female fans that you talk to will say it's a similar thing. Wrestling has gatekeepers, I think, of knowledge, you know. The will, you're, you're generally, I think, 99% of people I've met through wrestling are lovely. You know, you're lovely. The people who listen to podcasts are, are likely to be lovely. But you've got the 1% who wrestling is theirs. And they don't want people... You have to qualify in order to be a proper wrestling fan. And I can't stand that. I've come across that more, I think, over the last like couple of years because of the meetup group and just going to more live events or just social me- media, like Facebook groups. And you're like, you try and have an argument with someone and before you know it, like groups, they just, let's post pictures of women in skimpy outfits from the Yaki era and they want to go back to that. It's like, dude, it's much better now. Why would you want to watch it? That's yeah. what I think. And the fact is that... I just get, I get very frustrated that people who are kind of doing it as a jive and they don't realise that this, that women fighting for recognition, you know, it's not something that's happened in the last 10 years. Women have been fighting for recognition as long as wrestling has existed. You know, women were, women have been wrestling as long as men. It was illegal in the 30s for women to wrestle. The great Mae Young in half the states in America could not wrestle women or men, so she used to wrestle alligators because she was so good at wrestling and that's the thing right I'm you know people like that I'm just like you're picking arguments because it's easy and it's now and just because you can name 
you know, every single wrestler that has ever main evented at WrestleMania, and you can name every single pay-per-view that Raw has ever had. It doesn't qualify you to have, it doesn't qualify your opinion to mean more. And I feel that is still a thing. You know, like this whole kind of gatekeeping, not listening, not seeing people as proper wrestling fans or proper wrestlers until they've crossed a certain level. It's not okay. What I've enjoyed lately, especially like the people I know, just the Becky Lynch thing, and it's like yeah. I've got some friends. I've got some friends that are insanely ecstatic, and they're very like, we're going to Mania, and it better be Becky be running in the main event, or we're not going to be happy. And it's like it's just it's not that they're women. It's just, no, that should just be the main event. It's just the right way to go. And I think that this is it. I'm interested about wrestling, particularly the WWE, because it's having to do with Phil Boomerang on itself. Because you had China, you know, she was she held a freaking men's belt like in the 90s. Yeah. What? Well, we, there's many reasons why you can explain why and what happened as to why now the fact that they're so behind the rest of the wrestling world. I just think they are. They're trying so desperately to catch up. And I think you can hear what the fans want, but for some reason they're still trying to retain this small grip. They seem to think their fans are all bigoted men. Yeah, the, re- the hardcore wrestling audience is just like straight white guys in their 30s, I guess. That's like the classic audience, and they apparently don't want women's wrestling. That's but I don't still the issue. think that is, it probably is. I don't know if it is the issue. I think they're making it up. No, I, think, I think there's definitely like a hardcore group that does that, but there's so many more that want more than that. Yeah, exactly, and I think that it's changing. The the big thing they will always argue as well to stop intergender wrestling or like more women being on the wrestling is because of obviously Benoit and because of domestic violence. Yeah. And the whole fact that we, it does have a large, it is a family show. It has a large audience of kids. They assume are men, well, so men, who they don't want to grow up thinking it's okay to hit women. But I'm sorry, I think. As someone who is going to have a kid is thinking, like, I hope my son, you know, grows up to be slightly terrified of women that they could kick his ass. Because I think that if more girls see these role models like Becky Lynch, like, the problem will solve itself. But I don't know, the WWE is a strange organisation. It's a family-run business. It just happens to... Dominate wrestling, which is also strange. Outside of WWE, I mean, there's lots of like companies that are doing a lot. But one of the things that will stand out to me is New Japan doesn't have women's wrestling. No. And so that that's something that like offends you. Like obviously you've got you've got stardom over there, which seems to be where all the women have to go. But it seems odd that New Japan still doesn't have the only women on their show are in skimpy outfits, basically. Yeah. I think for me, it's really hot. Because if I can watch, obviously the ones where women are in skimpy outfits, I try and turn it off. If I watch, if I watch a New Japan wrestling match, I usually my face falls off because it's so incredible, and that's what frustrates me. Is because I'm like, the, I feel like I can't comment on it because I haven't met as many male male female wrestlers, male wrestlers in Japan. I think the only guy I know that well. It's Osprey. I know Osprey quite well. Um, I've t- I'm the actual champion, the open weight champ. He didn't realise it. When, yeah. I, when I met him in Guildford, he gave me the belt for a photo. Yeah. So I figured I'm the champ. Yeah. And yeah, it's that easy in Japan. You just give the belt. Yeah, that's yeah, how it works. Great, so. yeah. <laughs> the way I feel is that 
it's it's difficult because on one hand, yes, this one the biggest wrestling company in Japan does not have women, and in fact goes further to objectify women. But the female wrestling industry in Japan has been and continues to be freaking healthy. Yeah. I mean, if you look in like like years of like 1987, you know, there was a women's only pay-per-view. I think it was called something like Universe Egg. I don't know. The greatest pay-per-view of all time, in my opinion. Um, they filled the Tokyo Dome. They, it was in front of 30,000 people. It was broadcast on live TV at like prime time, you know. And it wasn't like creepy men who were their fans. It was teenage girls. And I'm like, surely the the, like, the wrestling community that can produce that can produce many things. So yeah, sure, New Japan. But at the same time, I think that it's in its own right, women and men have got their own promotions and they're doing different things. Maybe it's because in in the UK, in America, because we've kind of stuck them together, they've not been able to be radical in their own way. If you think about it, apart from Eve and Bellatrix, in the UK there hasn't been any other female promotions, and I think only one female in promotion in the whole country. Mm. You, think, you compare that to America, where ugh, you compare that to Japan, where in Japan you have things like AJW and Gaia and stuff like that. They're very female-centric places. I'm still not saying it. I would prefer there to be mixed gender everywhere, but I think you have to kind of also say it's all right to have single gender spaces. That's what I think. I wanted to get your views on that because it just sort of stands out to me. But I don't watch a huge amount of New Japan, and then I watch like Wrestle Kingdom. It's like, oh, there's no women at all on this show, and it's 78 hours long. Yeah, the fact it's 78 hours long, I can't. I, I, I put my hands up. I can't do Wrestle Kingdom. I just can't. Like, I find it hard enough to do, stay for up for the whole Rumble, okay? Yeah. Like, that's... I'm sorry. Rumble was a slog, to be fair. The Rumble is always a slog. Rumble is my favourite show of the year. Oh, okay, they, sorry. They meant no, but, but I, I couldn't get... I had to watch it in three sittings to get through the show because it was like, man... We've had like a rumble and a top match. Wait, there's still two hours to go? I remember when I first started wrestling and I didn't know what... Someone was like, oh, you, to improve, you need to watch wrestling. And I was like, uh, I... Yeah. So I was like, oh, watch WrestleMania. So I started with WrestleMania 1. And imagine watching WrestleMania oh, 1 when you haven't watched any wrestling that's, ever. That's a hard start. It's a hard start. It is still like a million hours long. And... It is, and I was just like, obviously, part of me loved it. The other part of me was like, this is racist, guys. <laughs> guys, why did you tell? Then I came home. I was like, why did you tell me to watch that? And they were like, well, why were you watching the one from 1987? I was like, because you start at the beginning. <laughs> anyway, I guess just on that, what was the first WWE show that you then watched? Like, uh, after, after, that, was after that, did you get into something good after that? Do you? Yeah. <laughs> um, I did it. I went straight on to. So I went back to the same friends and I was like, I didn't like WrestleMania. And she kind of realized that I did I was that clueless. So she was like, okay, I was like, I just need a wrestler I can identify with. I can't identify with Hulk Hogan. I can't identify with Stan Kosti often, you know. I'm a slightly overweight punk woman. Like I need someone I can look at. Bornicano. So she gave me Bornicano's name. And I just started watching Bornicano matches. And I went into a YouTube hole of Bornicano to the point that I was just clicking on her name and I didn't care who she was wrestling. But I obviously went back to like her early days um, when she was like 17 and she was wrestling with like Dr. Soko. And 
just ah, oh, just the screaming banshee levels of these women. And I couldn't tell you half the women she was wrestling against because it was all in Ganji. Would would she be your dream opponent, or who would you pick if you could have one match with someone? I would probably say. I would say Cassandra Oligotico because he's my favourite wrestler of all time. And he also, um, Cassandro taught, came to the London School of Lucha Libre and he's taught with us a few times. And he's a, he's a good friend. And I would say he's probably taught me more about wrestling than any other, apart from my coaches, Greg and Gary, because he's so tough. And he was the first openly gay male wrestler to hold a, a, a worldwide belt and he is so skilled and he is so broken and he is so tiny and terrifying and flamboyant and to me it wouldn't be about my glory it would be the honour of essentially wrestling my teacher he would be my dream opponent but I say that I would be too terrified to punish him so, <laughs> so on the subject like I so said dream opponent dream, like, what's your favourite matches of all time? Uh, you're going to pick one or two but one of two favourite matches. Um, I still love the... I would say any match between Bailey and Sasha Banks. Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks' cage match, just like every time, I made me cry because it was such a huge... That the Hell in a Cell yeah, one, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know why, it just got me. I think it was because Sasha Banks was so injured and she's so tiny and like they've worked so hard to get there. It just... well, I was going to ask about that because it's basic like physics sometimes. The women are generally smaller than men in terms of like in general when you look at big beefy yeah. guys in the ring. And I remember watching that match and great amazing match. I remember they, I think they're trying to put Sasha through a table and it's just like she's so tiny like trying to throw her through a table with hard work sometimes. But the thing is and that's what for me those were the bits that made it like that's why I loved it because it wasn't, you know, you could tell they hadn't like fixed it so it was easier for them. They were going hell for fucking leather like they were two dudes, and I, 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 I loved it. I would say my other favourite match is, um, yeah, it would probably be. This is a really hard question to ask. Somebody. I know. It's like it's almost like I've done it before with the guys. I said, if I put a gun to your head, give me your best match now. I, 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 I know can't. Then. I can't pick a second one. That's my that's my standout one forever. And um, I also saw Bailey versus Nia Jax live at like NXT Takeover in London. That made me cry. Like it was just the most amazing match. The way that they, like the story they told, it was just like proper like. Um, you know, David and Goliath. And of course, it's the easiest story they could have told. It's completely the easiest story they could have told. But it was, for me, a woman to be standing in, like, I remember going to see a TNA show in my first year of wrestling, and one of the female wrestlers fell off the stage. And then, yeah, I'm not going to say which one, because that's real. Six years, you know, five years later, I'm watching a women's match when no one is left to have a piss and the whole audience is standing up and screaming and it's like one like you know girl next door versus like a giant Beyonce which is what Nia Jax is she's giant Beyonce and I you have to grab those moments and be like this has happened so much has changed I, I love the, I remember loving that takeover show but I'm struggling to remember the match I'm going to have to go back and watch yeah, that match again watch it. it's, it's I remember being a great show with Finn coming out with his um, Jack, with the Jack the Ripper outfit and everything yeah, it was a fun show I, was, I do you know what I was having surgery the next morning 
like for cancer. So like I was like full on like this is my last night alive. Oh, so maybe that's why I remember. Maybe, maybe. you'll go back and be like, oh, I was okay. I don't think there's been a bad like takeover match. So I'm sure it's good. Yeah, takeover in the But you see, you asked me my favourite matches, and the fact is, I could tell you, I could tell you these ones because people will be able to relate to them. But my favourite matches without fail are always the ones we have at Legion Britannia or the Resistance Gallery or Eve. You know, because you're so close, you can see the perspiration on these people's faces and. I, you know, I've been gripped to my seat watching people who I know, who like, I've been for a pizza and I'm suddenly transfixed. Any match with Car and Noir, for example, any match with, um, any match with, um, Rio O'Reilly in it, any match with, um, Nina Samuels in it, and these are people I know really well, but they, they are great performers, so. Um, I think I recommend for anyone listening to the show, but it's worth, if you're in London, going to the Resistance Gallery and seeing an Eve show or a Lucha Britannia show. I think last time I went to one, we were there. I was like pretty much resting my beer on the side yep. of the ring. And I look at one button, and Cassius is there, and I'm like, oh, that's Cassius. Like basically bent over in front of me while I'm standing in the you front row. You have to row. move out of the way so you don't get hit yeah, in the we, face. We had a few... <laughs> We had a few guys just jumping onto us. One of the heels came down the stairs and my mate decided to square up to him as part of like his intro. And I'm like, this is a bit intense, but it's really cool. But this is it. And I, maybe that's why I found it so hard to go watch kind of pedestrian wrestling shows after my first experience really being Lucha. Because I was like, oh, there's a barrier. Right. Okay. Well, I I don't understand. Well, what point am I supposed to move out the way? I'm really confused. So... But yeah, all are welcome. And a big thing that we are really, really big on is, is bringing your, bring your friends who've never seen wrestling before. Honestly, if you want to get yourself out of that wrestling closet and be like, right, best friend, girlfriend, whoever, come watch a wrestling show with me. Bring them to Eve or Lucha because it's designed to bring in new people. And it's definitely, I think it's like Friday or Saturday night as well. You're in Shoreditch and like, you know, Bethnal Green. It's yeah. a cool place to be out in general. The stuff. toilets are bad, we know. We've been trying to figure out how to raise enough money to stop the toilets being horrible. Apart from toilets, everything's golden. There you go. Um, on that subject, some of the guys I know are talking about trying to get involved in doing yeah. some wrestling training because they think it'd be really fun. And I know there's training quite often at the Resistance Gallery. Yes. So um, I have three recommendations for training. First of all, is London School of Lucha Libre, who we welcome everyone. If you are nice, we come. Like, we have people who, like, hey, look, me, I was trained by the middle school, literally, right? I couldn't tell my left from right. I didn't know who The Undertaker was, and I wrestled at York Hall. I should be example up. But the whole thing that we do is wrestling should be for everyone. We're a family, look after each other. We, we don't judge people. We're not mean. It's like, it is completely open arms. And that's every Monday and Wednesday, we have beginner's class at half seven at 10 pounds. Um, and then on Sundays we have a group called um, the Eve School, and that is women only. Um, but it's very much like even again, if you know nothing about wrestling, you just think it's going to be fun and something you want to try. It's um, run by Rio O'Reilly and Greg, and that's um, on Sundays as well at the Resistance Gallery in the morning. So good if you can't do weekdays. And then um, I'm also part of a group called Burning Hearts. Um, we are a really small women's wrestling collaborative. So basically, rather than running like a promotion, we're a co-op. So we run everything ourselves as a group. We don't have one person who runs it. And the same goes for training. We'll invite people to come at any kind of level. 
um, and you can help as much as little as you want. But if you want to be involved in things like promoting, marketing, just being part of shows, like we're really good in that sense as well. Probably sounds like fun. I'm going to wrap this up because I've got a few questions from the Watch, like, Watch Wrestling London meetup group. I asked them, I said, I'm going to go and meet someone, interview them, and they had a few questions. Okay. So I can't confirm the quality of these questions. Okay, well I've answered soup questions. Yeah, you've so answered, that's the, you've that's, the soup if that's the quality, I'm very happy. And it's, uh, I think we've answered the what a moment made you decide to become a wrestler was when you were invited on that stand-up show. Uh, would that be fair to say? I would say so, but I would also say the first time that I, when I went from being a trainee to I'm going to be a wrestler was I suplexed a six-foot man. And anyone who does a suplex, it's mainly about the person do it, taking it who has to jump over you. But when you have suplex a six foot man and you are a five foot four woman, you're like, this is good. I will keep doing this. So probably then. We talked about WrestleMania briefly. Do you have a favourite WrestleMania? No, I don't. I really don't have a favourite WrestleMania. Fair enough. Is that a bad answer to the no, question? No, I think it's fair. Is it, you're more, is it because you just don't like have a particular one because you don't watch, haven't watched many of them or just don't stand them, but I think until recently I find them quite boring because they are mainly men's matches. I'm sorry to say that. I will say I like the first one because it has freaking Moolah and Wendy Richter and what's the chance? Cindy Lauper turns up as well. Why is Cindy Lauper there? That was why the broken wrestling period. I know. Why is she not at every WrestleMania? I don't know. Liberace comes out. More of that. That was a pretty over-the-top show. So, yeah, I would say one. <laughs> and I guess on the scale of one to ten, how hard is the mat? And how and then how hard are the ropes when you're bouncing off of them? Um, it depends on the ring. A, I would say a nice ring is eight, and the rope is also an eight. However, we train on judo mats. That is a freaking 10, because that is a small, like a very tough foam between you and a concrete floor. That's a 10. So. <laughs> Final question from the group. Does pineapple go on pizza? Yes. It's quite Stop unanimous. It. It's unanimous. It's unanimous. Stop hating on people. Let people put what they want on a pizza, guys. Come on. Pineapple goes on pizza. It's fine. Just, I mean... Obviously, don't put it on there with something disgusting like anchovies. Like, think about what you're doing. But yeah, ham and pineapple. Like, you know, the 90s would be a different era if that hadn't been a big part of my childhood. That's why I think wrestling wouldn't have existed in, for many people. I don't get why that question is so controversial. I don't. But maybe we're just open minded people. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, to wrap things up, um, is there anything you would want to say to, uh, I guess, any female fans or anyone thinking of becoming a female wrestler? Um, first of all, please buy my book and Lady Like It Girls Go to Wrestling. Okay. That's uh, in July. In That's July. That. So we'll be making sure we promote that. Um, but the second thing is be vocal. It doesn't matter if you're a woman and you're a female wrestling fan, your voice is valid. And I know sometimes it can be hard if you're in a very male environment to have an opinion, but I'll hold on to it and write about it and talk about it and seek out women who also like wrestling because they are out there. And um, to everyone, not just women, if you think you might want to try and be a wrestler, the hardest thing is walking through the door. And you'll know immediately if you're like, this is horrible, or you might be like me and be like, this is the best possible thing Thank you for your time Thank this you. evening. I know you've got to get off and do some training. Yeah, it's great I've got to go you. do some squats. So. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your time. Hey, you. 
If you like the podcast, then remember to like the Holy Shoe Wrestling Podcast on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Holy Shoe Pot. Do it! Do it now! Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Heather. I had a great time catching up with her over a drink and just asking her a variety of questions. As you can hear, she's got quite a brain on her. She knows what she's talking about, and I'm looking forward to reading her book as well. Before we go, I thought we'd also just have a quick listen to a song by Cheap Pop from their album In Gorilla. This is a song actually about Paige. It's called Oh Paige. And on a future episode, I will be sitting down and talking to Jackie, the lead singer of Cheap Pop, to understand more about the inspiration of her album that her band produced, which is all wrestling themed. And also because she is currently writing a PhD, which will include chapters where she uses wrestling for her examples. So I'm really looking forward to understanding what she's doing there. Uh, We will catch you next time, Holy Shooters.